coffee shop, coffee shop, thinking about, about her again. Dark brown eyes, her blonde hair and skin, her skin so fair. Welcome to The Exchange, presented by Owen Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey. I'm Mike Ferguson. Technically, this is episode 11, but season 1 has been over for a few weeks, so this is a bonus episode. 100% free with the cost of admission. In this bonus episode, with Thanksgiving upon us, Mark and Todd talk about business and coffee mentors they are thankful for having in their lives and careers, people who have influenced and guided them along the way. Far enough for me to get to say, and now, here they are. Mark and Todd. Welcome to The Exchange, a podcast by Olam Specialty Coffee. I am your host, Mark Inman, and I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Todd Mackey. Todd, how are you doing? Mark, I'm doing well. It's great to join you. We have a, uh, a special episode before us this evening. Right. Uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we are going to uh, sort of uh, celebrate our thanks to some special people in our coffee journeys, in our, our business, uh, our careers, business journeys. Um, so before we get to that, uh, I'd mm-hmm. love to hear what's in your glass. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. Tonight, I'm back on the Nico Cannonau. Uh This is uh, Kevin Rogers, a winemaker here in Healdsburg, California. He uh, makes a wonderful uh, wine, deals only with Italian varieties grown in California. And it's one of my favorite uh, wines, hands down, anyways. And so tonight, I cracked open a bottle to uh, to express my thanks to those who have made me who I am today in this industry and uh, enjoying it immensely. How about you? What are you having tonight? Nice, nice. No, yet again, I mean, I've sort of been uh, the trend for for season one, and it carries into this uh, special bonus episode. Um, I've been uh, focused on can format, um, Ah. you know, since swapping up to the evening recording sessions. Uh, And tonight is, is no different. Um, but I did, uh, it's quite a departure from our last, uh, our, our scary defects episode where I, I was crushing the local, uh, hardworking beer, right. Narragansett lager. Right. Um, but, but I have a, a special, uh, ale that I am enjoying here from, uh, the Alchemist Brewing, uh, up in uh, Vermont, uh, pretty uh, trendy, well-known, highly sought after brewer, uh, most celebrated for their heady topper, uh, oh, IPA. Yeah. I've heard of that. Um, but I was uh, I was graciously gifted uh, by a very special uh, friend and roaster, Ian Bailey, a vivid coffee roasters, recently came through Providence and dropped off some treats for me. And I'm drinking the Alina American IPA. Um, it's it's fairly boozy uh, up at 7.7 uh, percent uh, alcohol mm-hmm. by volume. It's wow. uh, billed as an American IPA. It, it, I would say it's most characteristically piney and resinous. It has that real syrupy kind of dense uh, flavor and body. And right now, um, I believe the storm has been named Avery, a as in the first notable winter storm here in the Northeast. But it, it, we are under a blanket of snow, and this kind of dense uh, sort of warming uh, beer is actually hitting the spot quite nicely. So, would you say uh, it's the Lintong coffee of uh, of the beer world? Yeah, no, I'd go. This would be right in line for me with with 
the heavier, more dense uh, Lintong, Tano Batak coffees, right. uh, Dolok, Sangul, these these types yeah, yeah. that really have like a lot of citrus, but almost like a rind kind of characteristic right. where right. it's bright and then, um, you know, super, super intense, uh, bittering aftertaste, um, you know, but, but really pleasant. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great stuff. I'm super thankful. Uh, shout out to uh, Ian for dropping this one off for me. Thanks, dude. That's very nice. Um, but yeah, so you know, we wanted to get into uh, in in light of Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, I can't believe next week. Um, I know. As this airs, Thanksgiving. I mean, we're cruising into the end of the year. Um, but we wanted to take a moment to talk about you know our experiences coming up in coffee. Uh, and give thanks to some special folks uh, and and sort of pay homage to the insights we've gained from them in this this mentors episode. But even before getting to our, you know specific folks we want to shine a light on, I I'd love to hear your take. I mean, you know, given uh, your experience uh, over you know the the years, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know, such a vital part of of the 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 path is having someone open a door, and I mean. You know, first and foremost, how critical do you feel like uh, this this sort of mentorship culture is to specialty coffees? The the advent of specialty coffee as a, a mm-hmm. legit segment of the coffee business, and then you know how vibrant do you feel like this culture is today? And 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 is it what it should be? Should it be more so? I'm just curious to hear you kind of go off on that yeah. a bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, I I think <laughs> that in any kind of craft industry be it beer coffee you know leather working or whatever that mentorships and having a mentor is is critical to getting anywhere in in whatever industry you have an interest in especially if it's an old trade that has been revitalized and if you look at coffee in 19 you know 85 when i went to high school nobody in high school drank coffee that was i mean coffee was what your dad or your grandmother drank it was not um a hip beverage the people that started that resurgence of of coffee as a, a specialty item were in many cases you know taking what they learned about commercial coffee and saying this can be done better and if i got in in 1988 so pretty early on in this and I got to learn from the people that were pioneering this whole thing and it was key to getting me where I was I I actually consider getting into this industry perfect timing given the year I got into it and then as I grew professionally I needed different mentors to get me to certain places and I do think today people aren't looking at that as being key to to being in this industry and I think that that's a grave error because I don't know how else you're going to get very far you you know you can only teach yourself so much and you need to constantly challenge yourself and learn uh, different things or challenge your own theories to see if they're right or wrong and, and a true mentor is going to help guide you through that so I don't know I, I, I assume that the younger kids getting into this are doing that but I really don't know if they're seeking them out yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think it's a, a, a lost art or like, you know, like a, a, a past season that, that doesn't, you know, have its its place. I, I, I do fear that it's not uh, as a revered an opportunity as as it once was. You know, I feel like yeah. 
there's such a run on and and such a low barrier to entry to getting into, uh, especially the roasting side of the business. That sure. you know, I mean, you, people with quite literally no industry experience whatsoever are all of a sudden, you know, trying to distill a point of view, market a product, and you know, show up, um, you know, to the to the market with something to offer and. And really, you know, are like boats without rudders, you know, they're, they're certainly not firm in, in their position. And I feel like that does cost, uh, often cost them, you know, in terms of success. But, but the idea of like, you know, turning up in someone's roastery and, you know, clean, you know sweeping the floor and, and doing the dirty work just to kind of understand better, you know, the why uh, someone or a, a group of people, a, a company would do what they do. Right. Um, you know, that that is it seems less viable or less attractive an option to a lot of people on their way in. I mean, still, certainly the thing I look at and, I, you know, I'd be lost without, um, you know, in terms of my experience uh, and the different doors that have opened along the way. But but yeah, I mean, I'm one of the one of the, the reasons I was so excited for uh, for this opportunity to do this episode is, you know, I honestly hope that out of these conversations, you know, people get interested and curious, people who are, you know, in the position in their career to offer themselves as mentors do, and people who feel like they need that type of opportunity step up and, and you know, go out on a limb and, and ask people who would be worthy mentors to to open a, uh, the time and the opportunity to them, you know? Yeah. To that point, and, and in reflecting on our, our own experiences, I, I hope you wouldn't mind going first and take us take us all the way back to your first really profound uh, mentor experience. You know, obviously, who was it? Uh, what was the circumstance? And and sure. what do you think was the uh, indelible mark left? Um, you know, to you and and where you are now. Well, that's easy. Uh, the first uh, mentors, plural, uh, it was um, Jim and Patty Roberts who owned Coffee People in Portland, Oregon. Um, and this is in 1988. I started working there while I was in college to be a, a winemaker. I was going through an enology program and uh, learned from them, A, the similarities uh, from wine to coffee, from the, the plant itself to the processing to the evaluation, quality control to how you market these products. And it, it drew a clear parallel to me, as well as their clear understanding of the opportunity that was happening at that time, that place in time, this, it was a complete gold rush uh, that was happening. At that time, coffee people had more stores than Starbucks. Starbucks was in Seattle. Coffee people was in Portland, Oregon. And, um, and I learned an immense amount from them. I ran two stores to start. So I ran a store on 23rd and Irving, I want to say, which was the immediate care center, which they did all these goofy riffs on everything. They had a great sense of humor, but it always kind of backfired because people would run in with a child with a broken arm like, oh, well, where's the doctor? It's like, no, this is a coffee shop, but it says immediate care center. And so you'd have, you know, some of these jokes would not go over so well. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually experienced that on a handful of occasions. And and then another uh, location at that time called Motor Mocha, which was up on uh, Martin Luther King, up by the convention center. And that was a double drive-through. They took over an old jack-in-the-box, I believe, uh, location. 
And at that time, the store was doing like $10,000 a day in business. It was just a juggernaut. I mean, just a cash cow. And we were open from 5 a.m. till midnight. And um, they were doing like espresso milkshakes. They had a, a, a coffee brand called Black Tiger, and it was a high caffeinated blend. And you actually pay, and it basically had a lot of Robusta in it. But you paid extra to have a shot of Black Tiger versus the traditional espresso. So they were actually making a significant profit if uh, for people that were drinking Black Tiger. And they launched a cookie line, an ice cream line, and a breakfast cereal. And they had a, you know the a cold brew before that was even a thing in, in bottles. And I believe Henry Weinhardt's brewery was brewing that for them. Um, they were way, way, way ahead of their time and uh, grew incredibly quickly. And, um, you know, as many people do, grew too fast to the point of almost bankruptcy. And then they were sold uh, twice. And on the first sale, I had left and came back to California to uh, run a roasting company for a short time before I started my own business. So that those two people taught me everything that there was to know about coffee at that time. They had a a whole bean store across the street from the cafe that was just whole beans and hard coffee hardware and educational classes. And I, and with my own company, TaylorMade, I did nothing but whole bean stores. I never had cafes uh, because I, you know, everybody who worked at coffee people wanted to work in the whole bean store. They didn't want to sling mochas, you know, all day. They wanted to, you know, go over there and, and be coffee merchants and Starbucks was obviously doing that as well at the time in Pete's, um, but that's not happening at all today, which uh, to me uh, still surprises me that nobody's clearly focused on a whole bean store and, and, and coffee merchant kind of facility. But regardless, they taught me the most. They brought me uh, basically to leave the wine industry and to come into coffee, and I never look back, and, it, and I'm, I'm incredibly grateful uh, for them that they uh, taught me what they did. No doubt. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people who are grateful, uh, you know, uh, for what they did, uh, for the fact that you're doing what you do and you've given a lot of that back. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I, it's funny you talk about your, your first real like foundational mentor experience, you know, mine, uh, it goes back to the mid 2000s shortly after I got into uh, specialty coffee. You know, I was, I was in a punk hardcore band, between tours, needed to pull shots, got into coffee, started tasting coffee, got interested and got into uh, kind of, you know, what I felt like was a cool and and different type of hospitality and really down to earth and, and approachable. Um, and, you know, my first real uh, mentor in specialty coffee was someone who was, of course, you know, she's completely laser focused, super smart, um, you know, fantastic at, uh, you know, building a market in, you know, Providence, which now is a really sort of meaningful U.S. coffee city. But at the time was, you know, uh, it had, it had, uh, you know, the Fishbines and Coffee Exchange was right, one of the, right. the first specialty roasters, of course. But it was still, you know, the, the wider coffee consumption was not really on uh, the same you know, wavelength or, you know, wasn't in the same stride. So, you know, this was a, a person who was really looking at, you know, a, an untapped 
opportunity in the market and, and going out and making it. But I'll, I'll never forget uh, Jared Harrigan, who at the time was working for New Harvest Coffee Roasters. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I was making coffee and managing front of house uh, at a place called Olga's Cup and Saucer. Uh, we were an account of New Harvest. And, you know, Jared was so supportive and cool and just... I don't know. There, there was this uh, sort of validation of my interest in coffee. Uh, she took time to, you know, was super connected and took time to just kind of open doors and introduce me to other people um, in the business. And, you know, really, I think the biggest takeaway for me was, you know, she just put it out there, uh, you know, to if and when I wanted to get involved in New Harvest, you know, production business, of course, day one, packing bags, you know, putting coffee in boxes and getting it out the door, like really slinging bean uh, in the purest sense. Um, but, you know, she helped me kind of cross this bridge of like, oh, hey, there's this thing I see some people doing. It's not everywhere. And, uh, you know, what if I could be a change agent and someone who actually starts um, you know, building a scene in a city like a Providence. Sure. Um, and so many things that I've been involved with since, you know, Providence Coffee Society, um, you know, all of my work, uh, you know, with the company, with New Harvest, uh, you know, the different places I've been since, um, my volunteer work with SCA and BGA. I mean, so much of that was inspired by, um, you know, just how thoughtful she was and, and, and how she, you know, even continues to inspire me to be. So, um, that's a really, uh, you know, foundational person in my coffee experience, and and uh, I'm continually thankful for. Yeah, she's a good one. That's that's a good choice. So uh, your next uh, mentor. My next mentor was not a coffee person. Um, at at this point in my career, this was probably 1992 or 93, and um, is a it's a man named Michael Presley. He is a I don't know how to explain who he is uh, adequately enough, but he was an organic guru, uh, a farmer um, that we actually, be, you know, he worked at TaylorMade. We hired him to run the farm there. We had a 200-acre organic farm. We grew a tea line. We grew medicinal herbs and culinary herbs and fresh-cut flowers and all of this stuff. But it was based on a very um, pretty uh, revolutionary permaculture uh, platform. And Michael, I would hang out with him as much as I could to learn about organic agriculture, biodynamic agriculture, how it worked. And he had this fantastic way of being able to explain incredibly complicated concepts quite simply. And he was very good at it. He was a very tall, lean guy, very passionate. But he really made us who we were. And at that time, we were running around the world teaching farmers how to go organic and then basically import the coffee and roast it and sell it and the supply channel for organics back then was really bleak so we had to actually make the supply channel but a funny story about him is i mean the farm that was amazing everybody like sunset magazine and martha stewart and all these people were coming there and and doing you know big spreads on this farm and at this time with the company we were a you know a pretty decent small local brand of organic coffee and um karen foley who was the editor of fresh cut magazine called us and said look we've heard about this farm and this you guys and there's a lot of weird rumors and we want to come out and check this place out and um 
and I said, yeah, that'd be great. And, and Michael had this thing about um, taking a lot of hallucinogens as the full moon or the new moon came, and he would spiritually connect with the cosmos and come up with new farming techniques in these states. And I said, look, Michael, this is our big break. We are going to, I mean, Fresh Cut Magazine is coming to do a piece <laughs> on us. I mean, this is huge. And don't be weird. Like, you have to be on. Like, this could make or break us. And I was just so adamant about it. And um, so this, this van comes one morning. It's like 8 in the morning. And it's Connie uh, Blomhart from well, Roast Magazine. Uh, but she was with Fresh Cup at the time. And Karen Foley and, and two other people. I don't remember who they were. And they get there, and it's a steep farm. It's like a coffee farm. It's, you know, very steep. It's overlooking Bodega Bay. And um, they're there, and they're like, wow, this is really great. And, um, um, okay, well, let's, uh, where's the farm guy that you were talking about? I'm like, well, he's not here. He'll be here. Just trust me. And I'm getting impatient. He's not coming and not coming. And all of a sudden, we hear this rustle in the bushes. And this, and Michael comes out of nowhere with like weeds in his hair and he's looking feral and his eyes are all spacey. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh my God, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, the, and the opening line was, I'm so sorry. I was late. Um, I was out all night because the, we had these springs that, you know, spring water that came out and with storms, they would get clogged. And he goes, I was arms deep in mother earth. And and I did it. I, I helped give birth to water. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we're going to be out of business. This is the worst. Wow. And, and the rest of the day, he just dazzled. I mean, cast a spell. And we got a full spread. It was like multi-page. And it made us look like we were the pioneers of organic agriculture. It was a gigantic uh, um, leap forward for us as a company. And... Um, but he taught me everything, everything about organics and sold me on the concept without a shadow of a doubt and, and how important it was globally. And um, a complete renaissance man lived in this house on the farm with no water and no power and, you know, slaughtered goats and used every square inch of them for, you know, down to the, the hide. He would make drum skins out of. I mean, he was a wild individual. Now he's like a big consultant for wineries here. Paul Dolan and um, all of these big sustainable wine guys, you know, hire him to um, to teach these methodologies. But we were lucky to have him with us for about eight years, and um, probably the the biggest teacher for me as far as agriculture uh, has been, and um, and yeah, completely transformed me as to where I wanted to be in coffee and how I wanted to approach coffee. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, do you know is he is he still kind of known for this kind of wild hallucinogenic yeah. gender type? Of oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. No, definitely that's incredible. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. that is a, a hell of a story. I uh, I'll follow up and and give it a shot here. Um, big breath in. Um, yeah. So my second mentor. I mean, this is someone you know, Mark. Um, and interestingly, I first crossed paths uh, with this person the first Mid-Atlantic Northeast Coffee Conference I attended, which you were the the keynote speaker. I don't know if you recall. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, I do recall. Yeah, that. yeah. This yeah. was in, in Easton, PA, before it was Easton, moved PA. To, to Providence, Rhode Island. And, and this was my first... Uh, 
my first uh, introduction to you and you know your experience and i remember very vividly actually as i was reflecting on this 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 moment where you showed a slide with a, a very particular coffee company you know sort of the facade of of a location you know stamped and pressed and you know uh, reproduced all over the world and you just said something to the effect of this is not inspiring you know, and that that moment always <laughs> stuck with me, you know. Um, yeah. But that's yeah. that's a, a bit of an aside. But, you know, thank you for that, because there was a, a, a degree of validation there that's uh, that's always stuck. Um, but, yeah, this was the, the first time I crossed paths with with your friend and mine, Mr. Rob Steven, who is m oh, more, yeah. uh, uh, you know, for sure, without a doubt, uh, been a a pivotal coffee mentor and character mentor for me um, over the years. And, and it wasn't at this main, but it was, I think probably the year following when it moved to Providence. And it was uh, something that, that uh, actually Jared became very well known for running each year called like the, how did I get here panel? And, and Rob was one mm -hmm. of the panelists. Um, and I just remember, you know, he made this statement, uh, you know, if you're here, you're probably going to be here for a while. And if you're going to be here for a while, you should, you know, identify someone you can look up to. You should tell them that you want to look up to them and you should, you know, ask them to be a mentor to you. Um, you know, and that that was a real call out to me and, and not just in theory, but quite literally, you know, I, I approached Rob uh, not on the moment, but, you know, not far after. And I was like, man, you know, that that was awesome. Um, you know, you, you got a broom that needs swinging in the lab and, you know, I'll sample roast coffees, you know, if I can cup with you and, and see kind of, you know, the approach to the business, because, um, you know, to that time I had, I had only really seen, you know, so many coffees a year and in, in a general sort of, you know, offerless strategy that we in the roasting space had, um, you sure. know, I hadn't had uh, the same degree of insight, you know, that someone, um, you know, who had managed the supply chain, like, you know, Duncan's, uh, had, you know, right. and, and that depth of, you know, specifically the perspective of like how specialty coffee is this product of differentiation and separation at origin, you know, that is not just a shining light from the heavens on a particular tree, you know, at the very peak of the mountaintop, you know. But this like really hard fought, you know, uh, sort of result of identification and, and lots of different interested parties along the way, it just totally shifted uh, my understanding of, of the specialty opportunity, you know, both from just an appreciation standpoint, you know, wow, I can't believe coffee moves the way it does in how complex the chain is, let alone that it can be amazing, you know. Um, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, so, you know, the work, uh, that, uh, Rob sort of opened my eyes to, you know, quickly led me down a path of, you know, getting involved as a Q instructor, um, you know, quickly, uh, you know, coming up to speed and, and what was a way I, I probably never really thought I could aspire to as a cupper, um, you know, in, in the lab and, um, you know, just to, to kind of, understand and, and get involved with, you know, consulting on a level, you know, where product development across uh, quality segments and, you know, understanding and being able to segment, uh, you know, quality as it relates to, you know, here, here and here, you know, 
um, in the business of coffee, it, it just, you know, opened, uh, up a, a Pandora's box, uh, as to, you know, how I, I feel like I look at the industry now. And obviously, you know, Rob is a, a part of, uh, Olam Specialty Coffee and does great yep. work here on the East coast. I'm still fortunate enough to, uh, to see him every day and to get to work with him. Um, I'm sure you say the same thing every morning you wake up, you just, you know, have that first sip of coffee and you're like, man, I can't wait to, to talk to Rob today. <laughs> but cheers to Rob Steven from uh from a for sure. sure his ears Absolutely. are burning but uh he's been yeah. a fantastic yeah. uh, teacher and mentor to me. I would echo a lot of what you said there. Um yeah, I mean I could tell a million, million stories about Rob but um it can go off on him forever. But I mean yeah, no, Rob has done an immense amount of stuff in his career. All right, so my last mentor um is is an obvious one and anybody who's known me in this industry is going to know that i'm going to pick this person but um that my my third mentor is is probably my strongest coffee mentor is uh, paul katzeff who is the founder and ceo of thanksgiving coffee which is based here in mendocino well actually fort bragg california so it is a very rural part of the northern california coastline um, but in my area here, Thanksgiving coffee has been everywhere since 1973. And I, uh, learned about Paul, you know, when I first started with coffee people and when I moved back, I connected with him pretty early on. Um, Paul is an interesting character, a very flawed character, you know, as many mentors are, but an incredibly bright um, character as well. He was uh, worked for Bobby Kennedy's campaign. He was he, he's from New York. Moved to Colorado. I he was roasting there, and he was the campaign manager for Hunter S. Thompson when Hunter S. Thompson ran for sheriff, I believe, You're of Aspen, me. Colorado. That's in, no, that's insane. Uh, he was twice the SCA president. Uh, once removed as a as a uh, member. Um, for a protest in Berkeley where he poured blood or red dye in a fountain about the blood of the Nicaraguans during the, the uh, revolution there. Um, he is, uh, he, Denny's sued him a grand slam <laughs> and Paul managed to turn it around on Denny's and what? get a bunch of money. Yeah. That's I mean, incredible. he's an unbelievable character. But what and and he was very instrumental in Nicaragua. He wrote this uh, cupping lab um, grant that the U.S. government funded and um, built cupping labs. And his whole theory was the the poor rural farmers don't have the tools to understand and evaluate their coffee. Um, anyway, so in Nicaragua, he built cupping labs in the the poorest parts of Nicaragua and sent a bunch of us there. That's how I met like a lot of. Jeff Watts and Scott Merle and Bob Bank and you know every you know we were down there to teach rural poor farmers in Nicaragua how to cup coffee, evaluate coffee, and he built state of the art labs that these people and gave gave them to cooperatives for free. Paul it, it taught me that change sometimes change in this day and age. This is more relevant than ever. Uh, conflict is necessary, and being a brute is necessary. And standing up for your values, no matter what the cost, sometimes is necessary. And he, I watched this person get in more conflicts than anybody I've ever met in my life. And they were all based on his values. And he fought to the bitter end, sometimes successful and sometimes he failed. But he was determined. And he taught me that 
you have to stand up for what you believe in no matter what the cost. And you can never sell out your values for any reason whatsoever because you won't be able to live with yourself if you do. And at that time, I picked up so much from him that when I was on the board of the SCAA, and this was the time of the embezzlement and um, and just very contentious time, I had to tap my inner cat stuff and be very combative with uh, the board or members or and as president to force certain things through. I, I wanted to have a, a grower you know, focus conference that involved teaching growers how to grow more coffee and better coffee. I didn't want to talk about, you know, what's hot in the flavored coffee world. I didn't care about that. I wanted to bring value to our grower members. I fought hard to have the first world barista championship at an origin country, which was in Bogota, Colombia. And those things weren't easy to accomplish, but it was what I learned from Paul, how to do that, how to go to the mat um, that taught me a lot. Um, it doesn't make for an easy road in, in coffee. It certainly doesn't make for, uh, you, you know, you have as many friends as you have enemies, but, um, but you, you're being guided by your principles and your values and your morals. And that is, was something that I valued learning from him. Um, yeah, anyways, Paul is a, is a dynamic character. He still is very active in the industry. He's in his 80s now, but talking to him, you would think he's in his 40s. I mean, there's he's a timeless person, uh, eager to, to teach and to give wisdom and to talk and tell stories. And, um, and I, I always tell people, you don't, you don't get on Paul's radar until he's completely chewed you out or just belittled you to nothing because that's that's when you matter to him and i've had him grind me down to nothing and it's like uh, and i knew okay this guy cares about me because he's willing to you know push me in, in in an area or force me to really think about what i'm doing in a way that is uh, hostile and um but he's also very caring. And I think that if anybody who listens to this podcast has an opportunity to meet this individual, you would be very wise to do so. You know, it'd be worth your your uh, money to buy him a drink at a bar and ask him, you know, any question you could possibly imagine. It would be well worth your money to do so. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to follow up with a twofer and, and, and this will be my my last uh my last two mentors that I, I would say are, are pretty pivotal, you know, in my coffee and, and just professional experience. One is is a, a person who has nothing to do with specialty coffee at all. I mean, in in except that um, he's a local a local guy uh, out here, and you know, sort of a, a, a very close family friend to uh, to Grace and our family. Um, but it's uh, a man called uh, Bill Gibb, who is a, a businessman, entrepreneur um, here in the greater Providence area. And a, again, a very close family friend, but uh, just a pivotal uh, character mentor for me and, and specifically around this concept of equity and mutuality in, in how you do business. And, uh, you know, I, I as I was reflecting coming into tonight, I just would be so remiss not to mention the myriad of ways that watching, you know, how his work, uh, you know, in, in the automobile industry and in uh, 
you know, this very different and much more, you know, in so many ways, much more challenging um, sort of, you know, uh, race to the bottom in a lot of ways type of business, um, you know, it's just super inspiring, you know, the communities built up and, and just the way he's taking care of uh, not only, you know, his his flock, if you will, but, you know, the the greater uh, community that uh, trusts him. And so, you know, as I've been in business myself and, you know, every way that I aim to bring sort of, you know, my my best uh, to the people that I work with here at Olam, you know, I always go back to ways that Bill has inspired me to just, uh, you know, uh, sounds silly in so many regards, but it's just the total truth is, you know, do the right thing, uh, you know, be completely forthcoming, completely honest and, and you know, do good business and, and you know, it always builds. Um, and I feel like uh, I just couldn't be more thankful for someone like that who's got, you know, uh, a few decades ahead of me um, and is is sort of seen things come and go and knows what will stick when it comes to, you know, building uh, something that'll last that doesn't blow away in the wind. Um, but my last coffee mentor is actually a guy who, you know, you won't see pop up um, in specialty coffee these days. Um, but, you know, his fingerprints are all over a lot of the stuff that um, that the industry is using, especially in the realm of education. Um, it's a guy called Jamin Haddix. I'm not sure if you would have crossed paths with Jamin over the no. years, Mark, but Jamin was the the sort of initial and in, in the longstanding uh, sensory uh, quality control head for Cafe Imports uh, in the early years. Um, and, hmm. and Jamin and I crossed paths early on when I was starting to pursue teaching the Q and, and you know, um, he was uh, super influential. His fingerprints are all over the SCA, you know, sensory uh you know, teaching materials. And, uh, he just has this, this unbelievable sarcasm and this uncanny, uh, ability to not give a plug nickel at all. Wait, uh, can I say that? I, I <laughs> well, suppose. you already did, oh, Todd. <laughs> good luck. Good luck, uh, Mike. I apologize, uh, in advance, but no, the, you know, he just had this way of dealing with honesty in sensory evaluation of coffee that to me, given that that's like a real core part of my experience and my focus, uh, you know, definitely a lens by which, you know, I view specialty at its core. Um, it really, you know, inspired me, continues to inspire me. And I always go back to kind of how he dealt with honesty in evaluation. Um, you know, it, it just kind of put it to a, another level, especially in this you know, very cool, but also very squishy time, you know, for specialty coffee where, you know, everything is great and uh, everything is, you know, s describable in, you know, no less than 15 unique terms. <laughs> and, um, you know, he just kind of had this this uncanny way of, of not trusting, you know, anything, uh, but really, you know, what was shown in terms of data and then, you know, really what you'd hit when you'd... Uh, you know, put a spoon into a coffee and, mm -hmm. you know, um, told it like it was, you know, in the, in the environment, uh, you know, certainly delivering a cue and, you know, you kind of end up with the burden of bad news and, um, you know, having to really commit yourself, uh, to foregoing pleasing people and the hopes of building people. Right. Um, and, and that was always and, and remains, uh, super inspiring to me. So, you know, a guy that will probably never hear this podcast unless I send it to him and, and, you know, follow up, uh, five or, or 10 times to make sure he listens to it. But, 
but a, a guy that, you know, if we could convince him to come back to specialty coffee, um, you know, would be a huge gift. And, and certainly a lot of you guys out there um, who maybe not have crossed paths with him, um, you know, you're certainly, uh, you know, uh, enjoying the fruits of, of his work uh, in years past. So, but yeah, I guess, you know, that was, that was cool. I'm glad we did this. This was yeah absolutely um and and finally i just want to say uh that i'm also thankful for you uh todd uh and mike ferguson our producer for uh making this such a fun and interesting exercise and really one of the biggest treats about working here is doing this with the two of you so i mean i look forward to this every time we record this i i cannot wait to do this every week so Wanted to give a final Thanksgiving thanks to the two of you for just being you. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. And uh, right back at you. It's been a, a total pleasure. Um, we will be back for season two in May, yep. of course. Uh, but, you know, people shouldn't tune out. No. We're going to have uh, all sorts of extra shots along the way. We're going to be introducing some of the Olam team, yep. you know, introducing a lot of maybe the the overlooked or underappreciated uh, sort of key functions of of export and import uh, as it relates to the coffee business um and you know mike has all sorts of uh tasty treats along the way um as i i, I imagine everyone's come to expect but um but yeah, I hope that, uh, you know, to all of you out there tuning in, um, you will certainly uh, stay tuned for, for these bits. We, we thank you so much for being a part of this adventure. Look forward to a great season ahead um, for Olam Specialty Coffee uh, and the exchange. This has been Todd Mackey and, of course, my co-host Mark. And yeah. Mark, I hope you have a, a wonderful night. It's been <laughs> it has been. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to a special Thanksgiving bonus episode of The Exchange presented by Olam Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey, directed by Mike Ferguson. Our opening theme was Coffee Shop Girl by Spike Windsor. Our closing theme, Black Coffee to Go by FES. All music is used under Creative Commons. On behalf of Olam Specialty Coffee, Happy Thanksgiving. And to all our roaster friends, may your holidays be busy almost but not quite to the point of being unmanageable. Thank you for listening, and don't forget we return May 13th with Season 2 of The Exchange. Wait for it. Presented by Olm Specialty Coffee.